Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. I'm joined along in studio by Mr. Triple Double himself, Connor Morissette. Follow him on Twitter at C underscore Morissette. And in town, we have an in-town appearance by the one and only Shotgun Spratling. Follow him on Twitter at Shotgun SBR. It's like a long layover for Shotgun because that's just how he travels. But yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna have a long layover in LA. You wanna do a show? Yep. So we're doing a show. Uh welcome guys. How are you guys doing? I just like that Connor's got his politician wave down already. He's, how are you doing? How are you doing, folks? Are you in the uh we have a primary coming up in a couple of weeks? Are you in that? Are you, no, are you running no. for anything? not but thank you i appreciate it gotta stay neutral i guess yeah uh cool but we're gonna have a fun show for you so like i said shotgun in town which is great we'd get him remotely a lot on the show but we try to do when he's in town we try to do these tunnel vision shows didn't know that usc was going to lose its uh, running backs coach here in uh, late february but kyle mcdonald heading off to uh join jim harbaugh and the la chargers but the point of the show today we were going to do a, a full schedule breakdown Connor Morissette did a great piece over at uscfootball.com ranking all of USC's 2024 games from easiest to hardest. So make sure you go check that out. If you're not a subscriber over on uscfootball.com, you can do that. 30% off an annual subscription. Definitely worth it. Um, go check it out. A lot of great content throughout this offseason, and it's a lot of fun. We are live on YouTube, live on uh, Facebook, and live on Twitter at our USC Football. Uh, Twitter account, so you can get a three different ways live, and we'll have replays available and all that. And of course, this will be available in podcast format uh, later on as well. Wherever you listen to the podcast, you can get the Parasol Podcast, which we put these Tunnel Vision shows uh, up there. And if you are live on either YouTube or Facebook, go into the comments, and uh, if you put a question there, just put question in the front. I will start and come back to it later. If you have a funny comment or something about what we're talking about, I will. As I'm hosting, I will try to watch that and try to put them up on the screen too. And we are going to take live calls, 5124-TUNNEL. If you want to call into the show and chat about, you know, whatever you want to chat about, you can do that, 5124-TUNNEL. Uh, we will try to take your call later on in the show and uh, put it up there. Um, we had a comment from Tim. He's like, shotgun in studio. Uh, and he He's a fan of the Dato download. So yes, awesome. so Shotguns does a baseball podcast for us, uh, the Dato Download. He's part of this. Um, you probably haven't heard of it because no one listens, but the the <laughs> basketball podcast called the Triple Double with those two gentlemen right there. I'm just kidding. Uh, people listen. Uh, the USC women's team is doing very well. The men's not so much, but uh, both those guys are involved in in that. So if you want to listen to, you call it the Triple Double podcast, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. And then Connor and I do our podcast. Uh, we didn't do one this week, but uh, we'll do one. Because Connor and I didn't do one, I do have to tell everybody about uh, our favorite sponsor, Trader Joe's, because they are amazeballs. And I've been there like three times this week. Shotgun comes over and, and is taking a little nap at my place uh, before we go in there. I just look behind the scenes. I'm like, hey, you want some food? I went right to the – I bought these ghost pepper uh, potato chips. First of all, they're ruffled. 
They're really good. They're like, there's like a spice to them. And I buy the caramelized onion dip to go along with them. So it's, it's like, uh, I love chip dip and this is like my favorite chip dip. And those ghost pepper uh, chips are pretty awesome. So make sure you go check out Trader Joe's uh, for that, for that and all I, kinds of good I stuff. I would like to point out that I went searching for snacks in Ryan's house and those are the only chips that were around. Normally there's a stash of Trader Joe's, the rolled tortilla chili and lime. I know. I got to restock. And I nearly, I open a bag almost every time I'm at Ryan's house <laughs> because he has a case of them usually downstairs in the, in the <laughs> garage. And I was like, where are the chips at? Something's I know. Here. Uh, but yeah, those ghost pepper ones are, are really good. And I want to let people know too, um, you guys, you guys aren't golfers, right? You guys don't care. I mean, I am, but not very good at it. Yeah, we we hit some balls. We, we hit did. some balls before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been wearing a lot. I've been doing this bad birdie stuff. I love it. The bad birdie. It, I love the the gear. I got a bad birdie like collar shirt on underneath and stuff. Uh, and they they set me up as like a little ambassador for bad birdie. So they said I can give uh, anyone that's listening to the show fifteen percent off any bad birdie orders you got. So use the promo code RYBB fifteen RY for Ryan. BB for bad birdie and 15 for 15% off. So RYBB 15 and you get 15% off your bad birdie order if you want that. So um, just want to let people know it's kind of a little public service for listening to our show or watching our show and everything. So, all right, you guys ready? We're going to get you some bad birdie gear. I, yeah. And I got to get some 24 seven gear too. We're going to get you some of that too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder not, if bad birdie. We're not letting you have any of that. <laughs> bad birdie is coming out with like uh college gear, like rivalry gear. Ooh. So they told me about that. So that's going to be something coming down. I wonder if, yeah, maybe we could get some 247 licensed Bad Birdie gear. I just love their stuff. It's, like, cool. I, I love the little Bad Birdie logo, like the bird with the X on the eyes and stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, so, everyone, thank you for watching live. If you're in the chat, wherever, you can call in 5124-TUNNEL, like I said. Uh, but we should probably go first to the uh, the breaking news. Um, USC is now without a running backs coach. Obviously, a lot of guys got fired. On the defensive side of the ball, we did a television show, uh, me, Connor, and Chris, after the introductory press conference where we met all of the new um, defensive staff members. And you thought, okay, everything's cool. Everything's copacetic. No changes. Last year, there was no changes on the staff. This year was all the defensive changes. Then we hear that Kyle McDonald is going to join Jim Harbaugh and uh, go to the Los Angeles Chargers. So just down the street, essentially. But, um, you know, Seemed like it was a really good recruiter. Thought the running backs performed well uh, when he was there. Kind of what your guys' initial reactions, either one want to start about uh, Kyle McDonald uh, no longer being on staff. All right. We defer to each other. I'll go. I just <laughs> thought it was interesting. So Adam Schefter broke the news, and he said McDonald had chances to become a college offensive coordinator but opted to become Jim Harbaugh's running back coach. And then he quote tweeted his report and said, a trend that has emerged this winter, many college coaches are tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money in the new NCAA world, and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches have already left. Many more want to. And I thought that was interesting because Adam Schefter is kind of a shill for the NFL. And I wonder who – I mean, it's obvious that people aren't happy coaches, but the fact that Kyle McDonald leaving was the one to make him take this stand and tweet that he's hearing things behind the scenes. And I just thought that was fascinating that Schefter used McDonald, who's not even an offensive coordinator, a lower level assistant, jump into the NFL to, to make that point. And uh, I didn't know that he had opportunities to be an OC either. I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, if you think of that trend, you're thinking more like Boston College, Jeff Halfley leaving to be the, the OC with the Packers, I believe it is. Um, those stand out more when you go from a head coach to becoming a devalue, uh, a, a lower position, you know, similar to Matt Entz, you know, going from a, a head coach to being a position coach. Those would definitely stand out. And you could say, yeah, that you do see some some of that. But you also see Steve Belichick coming from the NFL to college games. So there's always some back and forth. USC in this situation, I think you would say they won the trade. You know, at least came out even, you know, of, of trading with SoFi Stadium. We'll just call it that, you know, because they get Eric Henderson, D-line coach from the Rams, and have to give up Kyle McDonald to uh, the Chargers. So, you know, not a one-for-one -one trade necessarily, but that's how it kind of worked out for them. And I think that they can go out and find another running back coach, uh, and they've you know struggled on the defensive line, so maybe some fresh blood there will help out. Whereas running back, USC you know has the lineage uh, of uh, RBU, um, so I think it will be easier to sell that. And Ryan and I were talking about this earlier, but I think it's a lot easier to sell. Hey, come be, come work on a staff with a top five offense versus, hey, we need you to be the savior on this defense where our defensive line is undersized, overmatched, and we have not been good for the last two years. So I think it's going to be easier for USC to go out and get someone. I mean, the number one call would be to Dylan McCullough. You know, he's shown that he is an elite running backs coach, both in the NFL and with, you know, at USC in the NFL with Notre Dame. I don't think he'll do it because I think it's a, you know, a, 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 side-to-side -side move rather than taking a step up. He wants to be an offense coordinator. So I, I think that that's not someone that will make that move, but that would definitely be my first call. Uh, and then I, after that, you know, you start going through the, you know, the Rolodex and everything and seeing who you can find. It, it is late in the cycle, but there's still, there's been a lot of churn. As you look at, um, you know, the, the Alabama staff and how they're adding analysts and stuff from the NFL. So it's not like this is one side of where everyone in college is going to the NFL. It is definitely a concern. It is something I've heard in other sports as well, where coaches are just a little bit exhausted and exasperated by having to deal with constant recruiting, constantly re-recruiting your own roster. That's the one that really is driving coaches nuts, I think. Uh, more so than NIL and more so than the transfer portal is that uh, the transfer portal of trying to comb it for that. It's re-recruiting your own roster 24-7, basically, to the retention of your own roster. And coaches are, you know, it's they're getting worn out by it. And I think you're seeing that in big-name cases like Jay Wright. Um, you, you know, he's definitely, if it was five years ago, the rules were still five years ago, I think he'd still be coaching. And so I think you're seeing some changes like that, but I don't think it's just straight one-sided where – college coaches are trying to exit the game as fast as possible and go to the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think this is really like a get out of the NFL. I think you want some upward mobility. Um, we had a comment uh, in the chat from Fred. We must pick the right man for the job. We can't afford to miss on this hire. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with Fred, like from what, you know, Shotgun was saying too. This is, it's not like you have to come in and be the savior. Like why did Cliff Kingsbury come to USC? Like, well, if it was a defensive guru, would you have joined like Alex Grinch's staff? Probably not. But like, oh, I get to coach with like the Heisman Trophy winner and Lincoln Riley. And it's going to be, you know, even if I don't do a very good job, the offense is still going to be really good. And it's not going to look bad. Like you're probably going to come in, even if you're like a mediocre 
running backs coach, it's probably going to look good. I think there's a lot of people that would like to have this job. So I don't, um, I don't, if you're a USC fan, I wouldn't worry. We don't really know a lot of names right now. Like you mentioned Dylan McCullough or something, but someone in the chat mentioned Todd McNair, which is funny, but I would say, um, yeah, like you're going to get somebody good. They, people want to work in this offense because it's very effective. We've seen effective running backs work with Lincoln Riley. I think Marshawn Lloyd is getting a lot of love uh, from the NFL scouts. So just him coming in for a year and doing that. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is – it's a weird time to hire an offensive coach or, a, you know, assistant coach, you know, in late February. But I think there's a lot of people that leave good jobs. And maybe you do the same sort of thing that you do with Dylan McCullough we brought his name up like three different times just because that was like an actual good hire that Clay Hilton made from, you know, not that many good hires. But hey, who's who's got a good running backs room at a school like he was at Indiana at the time? Like he was recruiting SEC level players out of SEC country to Indiana and beating like LSU and Auburn for these guys. You're like, that guy must be pretty good. So you can identify someone like that that moves up from an Indiana level school to USC and you'll probably do... Uh, really well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, but I don't think this is uh, some kind of death blow. Like this, this is a place you can re replenish uh, fairly easily just because of Lincoln Riley's reputation as an offensive guru. It's not a killer from a recruiting standpoint either. USC only had the one running back in the 2024 class. They missed on a couple targets in 2025. They obviously were recruiting some guys, but no one's committed right now. And so with McDonald leaving, that wouldn't mean that they would potentially leave because they just don't have anyone there. So I think he was really good with what he did on the field and in practice leading to USC's running backs having two great seasons the last two years. And for me, that's the most important thing. But you got to talk about recruiting as well. And his loss doesn't really kill you in that area, in my opinion. Plus, it's a low low pressure position yeah. coming in. As long as your as long as your running backs don't fumble and they can block a little bit, like no one's ever going to blame the running backs coach. No one ever goes that offense is terrible. The running backs coach <laughs> has got to go. Like that just doesn't happen. So it's a very low pressure uh, position that you can go out and hire for as well. And like I said, you know the opportunity to to coach under. Lincoln Riley, coach with Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, pick his brain and try to learn from him. I think it is something that will attract a lot of uh, of big suitors in this one. And even though it is February and it's a little bit strange from the normal schedule we are, no one's really started fall. I mean, spring practice yet. So as long as you get someone in before spring practice, uh, you can go out and probably cherry pick from some someone else's team. I think as well and, and get going that way and have them in for USC spring practice in time for them to be, uh, you know, caught up with everything and ready to go. Yeah. I think you've, we've seen some late cycle, you know, the, the, the silly season where coaches are leaving teams. We've seen a lot of action later in the process, like a chip Kelly leaving for to be Ohio state's offensive coordinator, but that's, you know, Bill O'Brien leaving the Ohio state job that he was only there for a little bit to take over and run the Boston college program because, you know, he ends up leaving for an NFL job. Uh, we're seeing you know, Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator that came with Kalen DeBoer to Alabama, going back to Seattle to work with the Seahawks. And, you know, DeBoer's had to replace some assistants like late in the process. But you're Alabama. You can still get good assistants, but you pluck an assistant from some other school and then they got to replace them. USC is one of the you know top of the food chain programs. So, like, you could go get, um, you know, Missouri's running back coach probably. He would probably leave, you know, to go to USC. 
Uh, I don't know who Missouri's. I'm just making you know, just like a, like that. Like you can get somebody from like a Power Five team that's not like. Are you going to get Ohio State's running back coach? Probably not, or Alabama's or Georgia's, but you can probably get you know Mississippi State's or Missouri's or Baylor. You know, like if you want to do something like that, I think you could do that at USC. So a lot of it will just be sort of what Lincoln Riley wants. And, you know, identify some guys that like, hey, I think this guy could be a really good running back coach. I think he would fit in our program and our scheme of what we do. And as long as it's not like Michigan's dude, like you could probably get him. I mean, maybe, you know, if there was some blue blood running backs coach that has ties to LA or whatever and would want to come back, maybe. But I think you could poach from, uh, you know, mid-level power five teams or, you know, even group of five teams or whatever we're going to call those kind of going forward just because you're USC. And like, and like you said, it's, it's hard to fail at this job being the running back coach at USC when you're just like, yeah, whatever's going to like, they're going to throw for a zillion touchdown passes. You're catching balls out of the backfield. Don't give up a sack when uh, they blitz and you're probably going to be okay. I think you could argue it's probably like the lowest stakes position coach. Jaquavius Marks comes in from Mississippi state and I'm sure he's disappointed that his assistant who recruited him is gone, but he's still likely going to be that number one running back. And then there's a lot of young guys behind them and they'll be fighting for roles. And I'm sure they're disappointed as well, but I don't see this as like a shockwave move where, okay, now there's upset people in the locker room and the running backs are all sad. I think the roles are sort of already defined. You, you don't lose out recruiting. I, it, it's not ideal. I think Kyle McDonald did a really good job, but it, it's not a death blow. Like Ryan said. Yeah. Um, we, Shaka, we didn't really get to get your thoughts, uh, on the new, Defensive staff, if you have, I mean, you never have quick thoughts, but if you have like a few quick thoughts uh, on, you know, just what I know you were, even before we were going to uh, going live, you were listening to some of the the interviews and stuff like Connor and I talked, you know, Connor was there in person and, and Chris was there, but just kind of get your thoughts on some of the new defensive staff that USC hired. They said the right things. Uh, it's usually what coaches do in these. I remember Vic Sohoto saying the right things and uh, Todd Orlando saying the right things and the physicality and all that type of stuff. Uh, some of the things that did stand out is just kind of hearing the backstories of how this came about. I thought Ince is, was the one that was probably going to be the most interesting and in going from a head football coach to a position coach and him talking about betting on himself. And that, you know, it's a gamble, but one that he thinks that will be, you know, will be beneficial to him because he does have, and he wasn't uh, afraid to admit that he has aspirations to be a head coach. And he thinks this is the best way for him to make that jump to becoming a head coach at, at the FBS level. And him saying that he interviewed with the FBS team and was told, you don't have any experience. It's like, what do you mean? I don't have any experience. What I just, you know, I've been with a national championship team and everything, but you, that's FCS, not FBS. So um, I, I thought it was interesting that he was kind of fourth, fourth uh, right with that. Uh, and then, you know, everyone likes listening to Eric Henderson talk. Um, you know, he's a guy that you can see how he easily relates with recruits. You know, and how you know when he starts, in particular, when he starts talking about his his mentality and his dog work and all the, you know, how he goes about things. Um, I, I mentioned to Connor, I was listening to it and there's a lot of ums and a lot of verbal filler in some of the other answers. Cause he's thinking about what he wants to say and, you know, saying the right words. When he starts talking about that, it's just straight passion. It just comes out. There's no ums. There's no anything. He's talked about it a ton in his life and that's what is the core to him. So that stood out to me as well. Uh, you know, I, I think those two guys are, the ones that can make the biggest impact this season, 
outside of Denton Lynn, you know, uh, I'm talking about the position coaches, but I think those two can make the biggest impact because that's been the areas where USC has struggled the most recently. So listening to those two guys in particular, where I was looking for some things there, none of them wanted to really say anything about the current roster and what they could, you know, what they've seen so far on tape and stuff, uh, you know, what the deficiencies were in the past. Coaches don't want to talk about that. They have noted them. And I think Ince talking about, I think RJ wrote about it, um, or maybe Connor, that, you know, they were overanalyzing and therefore they were playing, they ended up playing straight up. You know, they didn't have their knees bent. They didn't have their, you know, they weren't down in their stance type of thing because they're trying to process everything and not, not reacting instead thinking. And that's something that from the very first time you play football, coaches would be like, just react, just react. Don't think about it. Just react. Now, how do you do your job and just react is that you have it down so well that it becomes second nature. And so that's going to be the thing for them. Can they put enough on them that it can be difficult for offenses, but at the same time, free them up mentally for them to just go make plays. And so that'll be, you know, how do you balance that? That's something every coach deals with, but you know, obviously in saw it on tape that, that was something that was debilitating for the Trojans last year. And the one player that was mentioned, you know, in the conversations was Eric Gentry. And, you know, Chris Trevino and I have been thumping it hard, but he's a unicorn. He's such a unique player if you put him in the right situations. If you try to use him like a, you know, just a, you know, position filler linebacker, you know, this is the same, you know, as you would use him as Cameron Smith, as you would use him as Lofa Tatupu, as you would use him as any other, in particular, linebacker, it's not going to work. But if you use him as Eric Gentry and you put him in unique spots, I think that he can blossom. And so one of the things I thought was interesting from Ansa saying, we got to get his weight up to 220, which is not something that we don't know, but it's maintaining the weight. And he mentioned him holding that weight. Because as the season progresses, players lose weight, um, you know, because you're not weight training the whole time. So that's something that really noted. And he said that that's something that could probably help him with his injuries as well. So I, I think that he has noted that Eric, that Eric Gentry could be special if he's if you take particular care of him. And the fact that he noted that I think tells me that he knows that's a possibility and that they were going to try to do that. So I'm excited for the future for Eric Gentry in that regard. Yeah, it seems like they're gonna. I mean. You can come in and not necessarily address all the shortcomings from that was happening before, but just listening to those guys talk, you sort of felt like, yeah, there was a lot of thinking going on. There was not, you know, you, you want to be able to react. You want to know the defense down. It's so funny, Chuck, and you remember hearing from Graham Harrell when he first got to USC and they could install the entire offense in like the first three spring practices. And they just kind of like re-go, remember they would just like redo it every week. And Danton Lynn is talking about like not getting everything installed in all of spring practice and, and taking everyone slowly. And it just seems like they're saying the right things but to like, that's two different philosophies, but are trying to do the same thing. It's yeah. trying to be super simple and do building blocks. And then Graham Harrow's like Graham Harrow's offense was, yeah, we do the, the same things and we're going to run the same plays. And that's the Mike Leach. But then you add wrinkles as the season goes along, and okay, you do this off of it. I mean, those are the things you have to remember, and uh, that's the ones you don't freeze up on, type of thing. But there's two different ways of going about it. But the idea is the same: keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, and then add on pieces as you have mastered the basic building blocks. And 
the way it ended up with Alice Grinch's system was it seemed like everything got thrown on uh, thrown on the players and then all right, do you got it down? Let's go. And it wasn't the case for them. And that's yeah. something you can do in the NFL when you have all that extra time that you can spend with players. But in college, when you only have 20 hours a week, it makes it that much more difficult. And that's one of the big challenges of having a complex defense or offense is being able to have the players that can that you know can do everything, can be super athletes for you, but also be you know super cerebral at the same time. Connor, I think we talked about this a little bit, but it's sort of like, you know, if you're in a classroom and you're a teacher and you're like, hey, I have to teach uh, geometry, whatever, to this to these students. You're like, well, here's how I teach geometry. And then you realize that nobody's got it. Like, they're not understanding the, the, this Pythagorean theorem. I don't get it. I'm like, well, I, I taught it to you, so you should know it. You kind of felt like that's what was happening. Like, we told them what to do, and they're just like, they just didn't do it, and they didn't change their sort of defensive teaching philosophy like they're not ex- they don't know what they're doing they're looking at their wristband when the the coach or they're looking at the sideline when the play's about to be run and they never seem to adapt like okay we have to teach this a different way cuz the students or the players aren't getting what we're trying to teach maybe what you're teaching is great but how are you teaching it isn't working like you it wasn't effective and i think with Danton Lynn they know it's like whatever we have to like adapt to what the players can do what their strengths are, but it seems like they're going to make sure that the players aren't confused. They're teaching them what they need to do. It, it just seemed like that was a, miscon- a disconnect from last year. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Um, how many? Oh, I think I went out. You want to try the other? <laughs> Better? Oh, go ahead. Better? Okay. Well, how many times did they say the word teacher, Danton Lynn? First and foremost, I'm a teacher. Doug Belk talked about wanting to be a good teacher. And yeah, to your point, Ryan, I don't know how much good teaching was going on last season. And I think that's an emphasis, the teaching, the development, that was clear. I couldn't find the clip or the sound, the quote, but I remember Alex Grinch talked about installing his defense at some point last year. And I swear he said, we want to throw everything at him and then see what they retain. And then to hear Danton Lynn say the opposite of that I thought was interesting. So he sort of took that Graham Harrell style. I'm sure it's similar. There's only so many ways to install an offense or defense. But I I just remember Grinch saying that, going all or nothing, all at the beginning, and then going slowly from there on in. With Danton Lynn, it was just slow. And that, to me, made me think, okay, this is a totally opposite approach. Yeah, the best coaches find ways to manipulate what they're trying to teach and understanding what – are the best teachers, not even best coaches, best teachers can assess how well their students are are taking the knowledge, retaining the knowledge, and then being able to put forth the knowledge in a, a different way. Um, and, you know, it's athletes at USC versus athletes at Washington State may be different because Washington State, maybe you don't get the, the upper edge uh, athletes, but you get guys that because they aren't, quite as athletic as someone else they've learned all the other small shortcuts they haven't been able to just get by on their athleticism so they know they've got to study a little bit more every athlete gets to unless you're lebron james every athlete gets to a point and lebron james did it anyways where they realize okay i can't just rely on only athleticism i now have to start doing this and this to help up my game i have to now start um, you know, film study. I have to start pulling this piece and this piece out to be able to enhance my game and not just, 
I am so much more athletic than everyone because I've been more athletic than everyone my whole life. And then you get to college. Maybe that's where it is. Sometimes it's high school. Sometimes it's not into the pros. You have elite athletes like a Dory Jackson was still the best athlete on the field at all times when he was at USC. But when you get to the NFL, suddenly you're not. Now, I think a Dory learned before then, but some players don't. So it takes certain players a, a different time So to, to understand, okay, I need to be doing film study. I need to be doing this extra thing that will give me this tenth of a second. I need to be focused on my hips or this or whatever it may be. And, you know, for coaches, it can be hard to teach different different players at different levels of, you know, whether it's a freshman and how quickly they're retaining versus a six-year senior you know, Jack Sullivan's going to retain something a lot quicker than Elijah Hughes was last year, just because he's been through the grind of you know four, uh, four or five Big Ten seasons, whereas Elijah Hughes is coming straight from a small school in Virginia and just straight going off his athleticism, right? So you know, but can you get to both of those players at the same time? And that's the big challenge of the elite teachers, not coaches, elite teachers. And this goes back to your high school, your middle school days. You think of that teacher that can you connected with. It wasn't because she threw it all at everybody. It was because he or she was able to connect with you and say, this is the way you should do it. And you may have struggled with it and they were able to find a way to help you do it. That's the best. And it's difficult to do when you have 12, 15 guys in a position room, whatever, but that's the challenge. And that's something that Alex Grinch's defense, uh, the defensive coaches, the defense as a whole was not able to do this year. And it is very intriguing to hear them talk about teaching being one of the facets and because that is the biggest thing, uh, you know, especially at the college level when they're, again, 20 hours, you can't work with guys all the time. It's finding time to, 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 to be efficient with your teaching as well. We had a comment um, from Logan, Eric Bieniemy for running backs coach. I mean, <laughs> that would be a great hire for USC. Right. That would be such a – Splash. Step down for him yeah, to he, go from offensive coordinator in the NFL to position coach. <laughs> well, hey, isn't he unemployed right now? So maybe it'd yeah, be a step true. up. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that would be a tough one. It's like, oh yeah, go get Bill Belichick to be your defensive coordinator. Like, okay, like that's probably not. That's probably not um, happening. And we had one from Maurice saying this again. Eric Gentry is not a middle linebacker. He's not that guy. Let Eric Gentry play the Sam or Will. Find a Clay Matthews or Brian Cushing to play the Mike spot. Clay was not a middle linebacker either. He was more of like a edge guy. Yeah, he was an edge guy. The wheel linebacker is is an inside linebacker. So like you're It's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. The Mike is just the person making the calls. Usually in a lot of current defenses, because you're running four two five defenses, and that's what Denton Lynn is going to be running, uh, the base will be those two positions are pretty interchangeable when usually it's one guy calling the plays the other guys it's not you're not basing it off of strength every single play where you're flipping your linebackers all the time uh in the old four threes it was much different mike sam will the the jobs were or three four same thing the outside linebackers have a very very different job the inside linebackers the will and, and mike are pretty similar now could we see eric gentry on the edge that's a possibility, and maybe yeah. that's what needs to happen for you to be under books to completely unlock him. And that's what I'm saying. You got to be able to find the way that can maximize his potential because he is a unique athlete at his size, speed, and ability. And when he is in the middle, he affects so much in the middle of the defense when you try to throw over the middle. We saw that a lot early in the season last year or two years ago when he was healthy. Um, so there, you got to figure out the best way to use him. Yeah, and that's the challenge of someone like that. 
his leg thinking and throwing lanes, bat passes down. It's good stuff. But I think just putting more weight, I think you're going to give him more options of what he can do. And I think it's just Great gonna, point. it's going to make sense. Um, why don't we do this? We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and break down uh, USC's 2024 schedule. So back in a minute, everyone. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All righty. We're back here. Tunnel Vision, Ryan Abraham, Connor Morissette, Shotgun Spratling. Uh, we got to go over USC's Big Ten football schedule. I don't know if that's sunk in for you guys yet. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to come visit. Yeah, we're going to come. <laughs> we're coming east uh, for a bunch of a bunch of games. Uh, I go, like, people ask you, like, I've, Usually go to every game, get to the point in my career. I was like, you know what? I could like send my team. I don't necessarily have to travel to every single one of these games, but now they join the big 10. So like I have to travel. <laughs> like, so it's sort of like extending my, uh, but let's go through, we'll go through just the, the, I'll go through the generic schedule first. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, I'll put it up on the screen for you guys. And I do want to go over, I think it's great to go over Connor's list of the easiest to hardest games. And we can kind of talk about each game sort of in that order. And I know shotgun might not agree with all of his <laughs> picks, but we'll kind of do it that way. But I'll give you guys a, an overview uh, starting off uh, LSU. You might've heard of them. They, uh, yeah. In LS Las who? LSU. Louisiana State University in Las Vegas. September 1st is a Sunday game in Vegas. I think people are very excited for that. Uh, Utah State will be coming to the Coliseum. And then they start Big Ten play in week Quick. two. And it's a trip to the big house uh, against Michigan. And that's after a bye. So get an early bye. There's two bye weeks uh, this season. So you'll get an early bye. Uh, Wisconsin. It'd be great to go to Madison and, and see jump around and feel that. But they're going to be coming to the Coliseum uh, for the first Big Ten home game uh, for USC. Road trip to Minnesota. One of my best friends from college. Uh, she's from there. So it'd be cool to see some some people out on the road uh, at Minnesota. And then uh, Penn State, uh, which that's a tough trip to go to Happy Valley. But they are coming to the Coliseum, so that is uh, that's a pretty cool one. Obviously, uh, Penn State's been to the Coliseum before, you know, recently, but it'll be fun. Not super recently, but like when I was in school, um, Maryland. Uh, yeah, Penn State came. I think my sophomore year or junior year, and like USC lost to Memphis State. It wasn't Memphis at the time. Memphis State the week before, and Penn State was like number four in the country. Tony Saka was their quarterback for or Saka something like that, and USC beat them. So after losing the Memphis State, they beat like a top five Penn State team. 92? I think it was 92, yeah. I remember watching the highlights of that Memphis State game in the last year for some reason. Really? Oh, I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> um, then you go to Maryland. Uh, so uh, going to Maryland, Chris Trevino is extremely happy about this. Well, this is the Chris Trevino Bowl. 
this Christina Bull, you know, he went to Maryland. My sister lives uh, up the road in Alexandria, Virginia. So it'll be like visiting some family there. That'll be fun. That's a short trip for you too, Shotgun, right? Like That's the, the quickest one outside of Rutgers. Yeah, or the next week. Well, Rutgers coming to the Coliseum. So don't have to go to New Jersey, but that would be the closest for Shoddy, uh, if that was the case. Um, uh, November 2nd, uh, getting into the November month, going up to Seattle to take on the Washington Huskies. If you notice, there's no Oregon game on the schedule, so that's probably better. You'd rather play Washington than Oregon. Washington losing a lot of dudes. And Oregon looking like they're surging going into the Big 12, a uh, Big 10, sorry. Um, Nebraska will be coming to the Coliseum. I think they did that back in like 2005 or 2006. And they got smoked then. We'll see if they get smoked this year. Then uh, the last Big 10 road trip is up the street to Pasadena, <laughs> UCLA, and then Notre Dame will be at home rounding out the schedule. So it looks, I mean, just talking about it guys and seeing it it's just like whoa like <laughs> you know it's not washington state coming to the coliseum it's wisconsin you know it's it's not uh arizona it's penn state like there's it's pretty damn cool i don't know if, what you guys think but i think it's pretty cool yeah it is really cool and it's hard too because last year you had those early games against teams that just weren't very good nebraska you got stanford early before they Played a little bit better. Arizona State, even though USC didn't play great that game, that was an easy win, even though maybe easy to stretch. But they were always winning that game. You know what I mean? This year, it's it's Utah State, and then not, nothing else like jumps out like, oh, that's a definite 100% win. So definitely a tougher schedule. I think they have four really, really challenging games, which we'll get into all this. But that's the biggest thing that jumps out to me. I remember when the schedule came out during the season, Jack and I talked about how they never have to go back-to-back on the road, and they'll avoid the cold-weather games. So there are some benefits, but it's way harder than it was this season, and USC went 7-5. and five. So I think it's not going to be easy, and we'll see how they adjust. Wah, wah. There, there are <laughs> there are things built in for them. you know, Like yeah. you mentioned, uh, don't have to go to the cold weather outside of Washington in the late months. You don't have to go east after October 19th. You don't have – you have a bye before the Michigan game. So I think there's things that are built in here for them to have success. Now it's up to them performing on, on the field rather than it being like it was five, eight years ago. And you're like, the Pac-12 has made this a gauntlet for them. They are going to Stanford uh, and then they're going to play on Friday night yeah. the next week in Pullman. Like that doesn't make any sense. Why would you have back-to-back Road games and one of them be a fr- the second of a back to back be a you know Friday night game and that was the Pac twelve not thinking anything through and they destroyed the conference in part because of how terrible they scheduled not just for USC but for several of their contenders with those type of of games so this is much more thought out and it is convenient I guess for you say I wouldn't say it's easy what the teams are playing but I think it is convenient. I think that's a, probably a good way to put it uh, with the challenges that they have, with the allowances that they have in this, with the buys, with the, you know, with the travel, um, you know, not going east. I, I think that that is convenient. Now, that leaves in some trap games early in the season, I think, whether it be Wisconsin or, you know, whether it be Minnesota going on the road there, those could be some trap games. Maryland, Rutgers at home could even be. So, like, there's going to be challenges throughout. But I think there are also allowances. Yeah. Well, let's go through Connor's piece over at uscfootball.com. 
If you're not a member, go sign up over there. It's definitely, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, we just kind of go, and we probably don't talk about the first one. So his number 12 game, you have Utah State. That's the one you already mentioned, Connor. Like, I think no question, like, that's going to be the easiest one, right? Yep. The only non power five team on the schedule. So they might be better than some team, some of the other teams, though. Who do you think they'll be better than? I'm serious. I, that's the, when I was looking at I, it, I was I like, feel like, all, like Wisconsin and Nebraska and Minnesota, like, those are, Minnesota maybe isn't going to be that good, but those are solid teams in my opinion those are better than like the bottom feeders in the pac 12 last season for sure i i i just i don't see like a okay that's usc's gonna win that game by by 30 points in the, in i was the trying to agree with connor but he interrupted me <laughs> i was gonna say that as i'm reading this article he starts at the bottom and works his way to the top the, to the hardest i look at this and i'm like Utah State could be good next year. Returning their starting quarterback, returning receiver, returning you know, returning everything. They don't play any defense, and th- that is a concern. But neither does USC. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, maybe they could give them a game. But then, like, I go, all right, well, who's the next one? He he obviously missed, and I'm like, next one's Minnesota. Like, that's the next easiest. I was like, oh, okay, maybe there isn't another. Maybe Minnesota actually will be easier to be honest uh, than Utah State. But uh, I agree with you that you. Know, it's hard to find a team. UCLA actually might be the team that yeah. would, could be, would have been yeah. my consider a team that I would consider for last, but it's a rivalry game and all that stuff. But yeah. Utah State was six and seven too. Like if they were like eight and four, then like, okay, maybe, but like, you know, they return guys, but that's not they it wasn't a bowl like, game. Yeah. They got a good running back from Almani High School, Davon Booth. USC didn't look at him out of high school, maybe revenge game from the LA area. It always I'm, happens. I'm half kidding, but I, I think I think Utah State, yeah, like they're an okay team, but they—they, they, it's Utah State. They're twelve. Let's let's keep it moving. Yeah. Also, uh, could be a trap game, though. Just saying. Yeah, with Michigan in between the next week. in between LSU and Michigan. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yes, certainly. I don't think you're going to get like the full attention, but you shouldn't need it to beat Utah State. But you have Minnesota. That's an away game. Uh, Minnesota, the number eleven. Now, PJ Fleck, his name came up in the uh, UCLA head coaching search. Um, he's kind of that quirky. Row the boat guy. It's not seemed to work that well. I mean, they were part of that horrible division in the Big Ten that just didn't score a lot of points. Um, now it's opened up. Now you're going to be playing, you know, all the teams instead of just the crappy teams from your side of the division. I'm curious to see kind of what they. I thought they'd be better with PJ Fleck. I kind of liked him, but I don't know his career's fizzled. I think. Yeah, it's not. They were six and seven last year. Fourth in the Big Ten, the worst division in the Big Ten, but um, and that was that's tied for fourth, tied for last too. Oh, it's tied for last, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like three or four teams were there. So the reason I had them as the second easiest game, their defensive coordinator left for Michigan State. He was poached, and they had a solid defense last year. So now they're going to be uh, under a new coordinator. They hired the Rutgers linebacker coach Corey Heatherman is his name, and then they lost their starting quarterback. He went to Rutgers. And they replaced him with Max Brosmer, who's from the University of New Hampshire. So not really a highly touted guy, but he had a lot of great statistics and maybe he could be good. But I I just the fact that they lose their defensive coordinator, they weren't very good last year and they have a new quarterback who's coming from the FCS level. That to me made me say, okay, they're probably the second easiest game. But hey, it's February 22nd. And how the hell can we know for sure? So there you have it. Yeah, they could add like a whole bunch of like some billionaire benefactors yeah. like just gives them a ton of money and like let's go poach a bunch of players and they do and like oh okay they're gonna be better than that now 
Um, I think Indiana is doing some of that, by the way, because I think Mark Cuban's getting involved in their NIL stuff. Um, no, I no issues with that. So ten, UCLA, you could probably put either eleven or twelve, and we we won't know. I mean, Deshaun Foster's take it over for that, but like, there's no talent left. There's not. A, right there's now. a talent drain. It, you know, Chip Kelly wasn't recruiting. Like he was leaving. I mean, he was trying to get out of that. You know, it was like a sinking ship. Well, and the one good thing they had going for him is now on USC sideline, the defensive coordinator, and he they took two of their top defensive players to USC. So yeah. that's a killer. There's this, no talent there. They might be worse than Utah State it, at this point. At this point, well, looking at I their mean, roster. I mean, hey, on offense, quarterback who beat USC's back, the running back to Marion Harden's back, the receivers are back. Who I know aren't great, but those guys produced against USC last year on the road and want like. They have something coming back. Yeah. If they didn't, didn't beat USC, USC last year, if they didn't beat USC last year, then you, it's like you might want to put them eleven. But I get it because like they they beat USC last year, so like you can't put them super easy. But they could be reeling in in year one in the Big Ten. I don't think uh, they're gonna get hammered with the transfer portal though because they hired Foster. I feel like yeah. they stabilized what little they have left. Like. We've talked about some offensive linemen maybe looking at USC, and I think they'll do a nice job of keeping most of those guys. We'll see the second portal window, of course, will answer that. So they do have some things going for them, but the fact that Deshaun Foster just doesn't even have any coordinator experience, which has worked for some coaches, like Urban Meyer wasn't a coordinator before he was a head coach. I think you kind of have to – bullet green. Yeah, and you, you yeah. have to search for those specific examples. I, I don't know. I, I don't really think he's a perfect candidate, but – he unifies USC. He's or UCLA is going to push for more NIL money, so they, he has some attractive qualities. But I, I don't know. I'm very skeptical of that hire. They, think, al they also have a pretty tough schedule too. Oh yeah. Um, you know, at LSU, Oregon, at Penn State. That's a three game set for them. Yeah. By the time they play U U USC, like they get up for that game. That's the one thing they will get up for that game, even if they're terrible. But I think they're going to be terrible. Anyway, moving on. Uh, number nine. With cats in, man, I like Luke Fickle a lot. Um, again, another Big Ten West team. It just was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what you think about them, but it, seven and six, you know, pretty mediocre record last year. Um, I think yeah. they'll be. I think they'll be better this year with Luke Fickle. You know, second I, year. I'm I think assuming that they should be able to take a step forward. Now, are they stepping forward? Anybody else in this schedule? I don't know. Um, I would think so. I think they, you know, I don't know their roster completely, but Washington, I don't think, has a ton of talent returning from, you know, the fact that they literally do not have a play, an offensive player on the two deep yep. that is coming back. I think that ended up being, that, that ended up being finalized. There might have been somebody who came back. There might have been one or something. It was, it was not, portal, but not a lot. Your like, top 22 offensive players, maybe one came back. Uh, so that's going to be so challenging for them. That's the next one on the list at number eight. Uh, the eight toughest is, is Washington. USC does play away there. USC is not won at Washington since the Sam Darnold game, I believe. Now, they haven't played there since the Sam Darnold game, if I remember correctly. And that was the year that Washington went to the playoff, yeah. the, the previous one, yeah. But USC doesn't have the greatest track record playing up in Seattle, so uh, it could be challenging. And this is the one game that is later in the season as far as cold weather. Is the one game where they play in, in a higher uh, longitude? Longitude, I believe. I can't remember which one's which way. Uh, but you know, higher up in the in the country, so that'll be a challenge for them uh, potentially. But 
you know, should be able to take care of In terms of win totals, Vegas right now likes Washington a little bit better at over under seven and a half wins than Wisconsin at six and a half. I did look at these to help me a little bit, but I know that factors in strength of schedule. So maybe Wisconsin's schedule is way easier or then Washington, excuse me, flip that. Washington's schedule would be way easier than Wisconsin's, but still that was a helpful benchmark for me. So uh, just with Wisconsin, no one really gets me excited on that roster other than their leading receiver comes back. Like Tyler Van Dyke at Miami, if you watched Miami last year, I don't think anyone was really all that impressed with him. I saw him lose that Georgia Tech game. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then with, with Washington, it's a lot of unknowns. So they could—they were a team that was tough to place. Um, I put them ahead of Wisconsin, but who really knows because there's so much turnover. Mark pointed out in the chat, Alex Grinch coming home. We didn't mention that. It's true for Wisconsin. A revenge game for Alex Grinch. What is his? Is he like safety's coach? Right? Safety's coach or yeah. something or secondary or something like that. Um. I wonder how much Tackett's going to play. That I'm more interested in. The oh yeah, Tackett Curtis, Curtis being sure. there. Um, oh, Grant pointed out Matt Fink did play at Washington. Remember that game? Uh, Keaton Slowis got hurt the week before against Utah. Yolo raid. Matt Fink beats Utah, <laughs> and then they go up to Washington. I was at a wedding that weekend, and it was not pretty for USC. No, it was not. Um, did not tackle very well at all. No, he played really well the week before and then terrible. He had a week of coaching, that's why. Like, we just put him in. That was the way it worked. Or it was a week of game planning for him. Yeah. They didn't play man-to-man coverage and just let him throw the ball up like Utah did because Utah was very stubborn and arrogant that year. Very impressed that you have Rutgers at number seven. I Um, like Rutgers. Greg Schiano, I mean, he's a good coach. You know, I know Tennessee fans were going to like riot when he was supposed to be named the head coach and uh, that didn't work out, but he seems to fit well at Rutgers, at Rutgers right? He crushes at Piscataway like no other. Yeah. Because this, this program has been awful the entirety of their program history. Unless outside, he was there. Outside yeah. of when he's been there. <laughs> and part of the reason is because he's gotten talent there. Um the running back, uh, Rice, Ray Rice was there. Oh, yeah. Tyquan Underwood. The McCordy twins. The, they, see, so he's been able to get talent from that Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, which there's some talent there. I, you know, I haven't moved there. I now realize some of the athletes that are coming out of there. I um, mean, he's been able to keep them home, and that's something Rutgers has never done in the past. Like Gavin Wimsett is their quarterback. He didn't have a great year last year, but he was an Elite 11 guy. Like when has Rutgers ever had an Elite 11 guy? Um, now he's he was raw as an elite eleven quarterback, and you know we've seen some of those things. But if he gets better, that team could be a, a team that can compete. They they were, you know, they've been very competitive in games, and then kind of fallen off the last couple of years. Where I remember the Ohio State game, I want to say last year, where they were at halftime, they were either leading or it was a very low scoring affair. And then same thing with Penn State. I think both those teams kind of the depth and of talent enabled them to start pulling away, but Rutgers has been able to, you know, stick with teams that they probably shouldn't be able to stick with normally because in part because they've been able to keep some of that talent in state uh home. So Rutgers Shiano's really impressed me with what he's done at Rutgers the two times he's been there. They're yeah. limited, but they're gonna play good defense and run the ball. They bring back the Big Ten's leading rusher from last season. So I just think USC should probably beat them, but I don't think by any means it's gonna be an easy game. Yeah, all these teams right now they're not like world beaters, but they're all capable of beating you so you have to come in and play well uh number six you have nebraska that's at home for usc uh they did not make a bowl game last season uh you know in the middle of that big 10 tiebreaker big 10 west tiebreaker for last place but 
Um, you know, they get Dylan Raiola coming in there. Uh, you know, I like, um, you know, Matt Rule. I thought, you know, I thought he was a good hire. It just seems like they're going to be going in the right direction. So this is a team that probably takes steps forward. So I could, I could see why you would have them six. They were just so bad on offense. Their leading <laughs> receiver had 310 yards. <laughs> And their leading rusher was their quarterback who started the year as a backup with 477 yards. So Dylan Rayola could be thrown to the wolves and struggle because they don't have a lot around him. But I think he has to raise their ceiling somewhat as a five-star yeah. guy who I think is going to come in and start. So they should be a little bit better on offense, maybe a lot with him. We'll see. And then defensively, Tony White, he was the hot candidate at USC for a few days. He was linked to a bunch of jobs. Yeah. Eventually, he signs. I thought UCLA was going to get yeah. him as the head coach, and he didn't. He stayed. Eventually, he signs an extension. And for as bad as they were on offense, they were really good on, really on defense good on last defense. year. Should be good again. A lot of these Big Ten teams are similar, though. It's like Wisconsin oh, yeah. wasn't great on offense last year, pretty solid on defense. And Rutgers was really bad on offense, good on defense. And Nebraska, I think, maybe might have the best offense of those three teams next year, but we'll see. That's the Big Ten way. Yeah. It's like you play defense first, punting is winning, right? Yep. And then if you can actually play offense, then you're a college football playoff contender because you're Ohio State or you're Penn State or you're Michigan. And the rest of the teams are just like, oh, we'll punt to win. Yeah. Iowa. Uh, number five, Maryland. Uh, this will make Chris happy. It's an away game. Um, do they got uh, Tungavailoa coming back? Or? No, he got denied a waiver. Okay, so they were trying to, to bring him back. But whenever we would be on the road, like watching, it would be like we're on a road road game and like Maryland would be playing like Penn State and like beating them early and then they would like lose <laughs> and Chris would be all bummed. But they were always in the games. Like they would be competitive in the games against the Powers. Because um, they are in the Big Ten, or they were in the Big Ten East, um, finished fourth, like pretty competitive, eight and five last year. I mean, I this you know to play this team on the road, uh, you know they got money, they got the Under Armour money. It's like this could be you know legit game. They were tough to rank because they do have to replace their quarterback, and I think they're just going to look different next year. But they've won eight games the last two seasons, so they're somewhat established under Mike Loxley. And the fact that that's USC's for this trip, I believe, made me put them low. I, it's just like Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska, Wisconsin, all those games. That they it's were, kind of the same. Yeah, so I, I just <laughs> have the fact that this game's on the road. And I think Maryland's probably going to be undefeated by the time they play USC if they can beat Northwestern. So maybe they're ranked, but they could be a some fool's gold. Maybe, I don't know if you know this or not, but just because all their uniforms are the same color doesn't mean they're the same team. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's, you just like, oh, these are all, look, they all, all the look teams. the same. So we'll just put them well, If you together. watch them on TV, they all look the same. It's all boring. <laughs> unless, so. unless Maryland's got their wacky uniforms out. Yeah. Um, I have an issue with this little grouping. I think I would have Rutgers at the top of it. Um, and granted, the like quarterback uh, being harder. Oh, okay. Um, of the, those four teams, Maryland without Tango Valoa concerns there. Dylan Rayola coming in. That's one that makes me want to keep them up, but also freshman quarterbacks. Like, when's the last time somebody just jumped in and like transformed a team? Trevor Lawrence. They were still there. Yeah, they were Clemson, though. Different, yeah. different. I know. Trevor Lawrence, who had Deshaun Watson right before. Yep. It's not like he transformed a team that's been god awful and hasn't made a bowl game in how long yeah that transform he didn't do but he stepped in and did well yes um so i i think that that uh the Rutgers is the team that i would have above okay and then i think i would flip Rutgers in maryland that's just me okay 
uh, now that we got in the top four, and now we're talking like blue blood territory. Uh, home game against Penn State. Uh, they were ten, won ten games last year, ten and three. They seem to like beat all the bad teams and lose to the good teams. James Franklin's names come up a bunch of times when USC's had coaching searches. He obviously crushed it when he was at uh, Vanderbilt, like one like nobody else has done there. He wins a bunch of games, uh, you know, but he. A lot of USC fans are like, well, Clay Helton beat him in a Rose Bowl, so how good could he be? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I have no problem. I think number four is probably about right for where Penn State is. I got them higher. I think Drew Aller is finally going to have a good season. How, he, what makes you think that? Because I've seen him play, and I know the talent that's there. Now, if he gets an offense coordinator that lets him stretch the field and do some different things. He was bad last year, man. I, I think that he's going to have a breakout year. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, so, I watched a bunch of them, and he was just not very good last year. But, you I don't know. think he's been put in good positions yeah. previously. I think that they were playing too much Big Ten offensive football. Okay, let's just throw the, the two-yard check down and – Stretch the field more. Use your athletes. You know, what they were so good at in the year they were, went to the Rose Bowl. You know, think about those the tight ends going up over, you know, a, a Dory Jackson and Leon McQuay to make some plays in those games. I think it was Jasicki, um, you know, that had a huge game for them. You know, they had the big wide receiver uh, on the outside that season. They they just It feels like they've fallen into the trap of like, well, Iowa does it with just playing defense. Maybe we can do that. Yeah. Instead of like, we have better athletes than everybody else outside of Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten. Let's use them. So, and hopefully with a new offense coordinator, they will actually do that because, you know, I want that game to be fun. Now, if that game was at Penn State, I would think this would be number one for me. Definitely. Uh, but because it's at home. I don't know that it's number one, but it, 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 you're right. This top four is difficult to figure out which one it actually is because it, the games that are on the road are the ones are the ones that are at home are the the toughest teams in my opinion. Um, but going on the road to Michigan can be a challenge. Playing LSU to open a season can be a challenge. But I would probably have Penn State. It'd be one or two spot. Penn okay. State changed their OC, like Chuck I mentioned. They brought in the Kansas offensive coordinator who worked really well with Jalen Daniels, so maybe does he... Who also attacks downfield. Yeah. If you've watched them, they're back yeah. quarterback through a ton of touchdown passes, YOLO raiding it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So Their culture's good. Their talent's good. James Franklin's recruited well. They did lose both coordinators, though. Manny Diaz took the Duke job, and now Tom Allen came over as the, was the head coach at Indiana. Now he's their defensive coordinator, so... Maybe that will affect him as well. But I, I just didn't trust Drew Aller. I thought out of these group of four teams that he was the worst quarterback of the bunch, and that's why I had him four. Who, who, the LSU quarterback had a good bowl game. <laughs> yeah. Better, I don't Speaking know. Speaking of LSU. Drew, what did Drew Aller do in the bowl game? He couldn't Remember I that watched, Hail Mary threw and the oh woman, they panned to her in the crowd, and she was like, what? <laughs> yeah, he was bad. He was terrible. I, I'm telling you, he's breaking out next year. Okay. We'll see. I hope so. I I, I, I have nothing against them. I, I want them to, to be good. I'm sick of Ohio State, Michigan. I guess now that USC's in, I shouldn't say that. But you know what I mean? It would be nice if someone came in and switched it up. So not. number three, you got LSU. That's the opener. Neutral site game, Las Vegas. Uh, Brian Kelly cleaned house on the uh, defensive staff. Heisman Trophy winner, gone. So kind of similar to USC. Like, you know, they had good offense. And crap defense, so there's some similarities with uh, <laughs> USC there. But I think that's you know I think that's fair. I just know they're going to score points, and to me, it's just a measuring stick game. First game of the season, both defenses were terrible last year. Overhauled the staffs. You, everyone's replacing their quarterback in the game. Their leading receiver, their leading rusher. Who's done a better job of the offseason of 
turning things around and we'll find out immediately. If USC loses, of course, their season isn't over. There's a long way to go. We see that loser of that Florida State LSU game when they've played the past two years. They're not out of it if they they lose that first game. It makes your life a little bit harder, but certainly yeah. not out of it. I just think the teams are so similar and they have a lot of stuff going on that was, was very similar these past couple of years. So I, I, I just have it at three because I think there's a lot of talent, but also we're just going to learn so much about these teams right away. And that excited me. So maybe I had a little bit of a bias. The two things that stand out from those opening games the last two years, or the thing that stands out from those two games uh, against Florida State is how sloppy those games yep. become. Yes. Like mistakes determine those games. So I think that'll be a big determining factor in this too. And Brian Kelly, USC is familiar with him from his time at Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, he, he can go out in the middle of the field on the logo during uh, onside <laughs> kicks, apparently. Yeah, that's Speak, allowed. Speaking of Notre Dame, uh, Connor has him number two. Uh, that's a home game. I'm, you know, Notre Dame could be good. At, you know, it's funny. Now we have the new playoff format, the 5 7 format. Uh, Notre Dame sort of like, you know, decided, like, hey, we're going to just take almost like an automatic playoff berth as if we're good and uh, and just deny ourselves the ability to be uh, have a bye um just to have access to the playoffs so they're in a, I think they're in a good spot they probably don't have to change their independent status because of the way this new playoff setup is we'll see where it, what it does after the first two years but um I don't know I don't know how good Notre Dame's going to be 10 games last year could be good maybe not I don't know I mean but that they're in the top four. I just don't know where I would put them. You know, two seems fine, but I don't know what you guys. You know, their think. defense is going to be good. You know, they're going to be able to run the ball because Dillon's their running backs coach. Is Riley Leonard better than Sam Hartman? I think so. Really? I mean, Hartman. If he can stay healthy, that to me, it's not whether if he's good or not. He's not better looking than Sam Hartman. <laughs> no. If you were asking me before last season, uh, you know, if you're asking me when they came to Notre Dame. I would say Sam Hartman at Wake Forest is better than Riley Leonard was at Duke. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. but uh, I, So I feel like now he's not going to play in the same offense and you know, Dimbrock's come back and should make the offense a little bit better than what they were last year. But Sam Hartman never really impressed me. They didn't really try to against USC. They didn't have to um, because of the interceptions early by Caleb Williams. But I – I thought he was better than what Leonard, what they're getting in Leonard. So, if that's the case, then I'm not sold on to being that tough at at being number two toughest at uh, as the at playing at home. I just think Denbrock makes a huge difference because remember their offensive coordinator search last year. They were going to get the Utah OC, and then that fell through at the last second, and they just couldn't get a coordinator. It took way too long. I think they just had bad vibes on offense from the jump. And I look this year, I, I like Leonard better than Hartman. We'll disagree on that. I just think he's a really, really good runner, and that makes a big good difference. Point. But he gets hurt. Caleb yeah. Williams is a runner. He wouldn't get hurt. I guess he got hurt in one game. But this past <laughs> season, he, he would stay out there. Leonard, last year, he, he didn't play the whole season, and that was really, really a killer for Duke. So um, if he can stay out there, I think that's the key, obviously. you got to have your quarterback to be uh, the second toughest game on the schedule. I just think Notre Dame, to me, I, I, I like their vibes better than I like Penn State's vibes. Is that good analysis? Okay. Sure. But <laughs> but I got a question for you. If you got to have your quarterback to be number two, why do you not have a quarterback to be number one? Because on the road at the big house, I think, is really hard. <laughs> yeah, so number one, Michigan. I guess if you're going to start your Big Ten football career – on the road in a venue with over a hundred thousand people against the defending national champion. Yes. They've lost pieces. Yes. Jerome Moore. It's probably not Jim Harbaugh, but 
you kind of have to put that number one. Like there's still, you're, you're going to be playing the defending national champion on the road to open your big 10 career. So I totally, you can totally justify being number one. Michigan might be an eight and four team or something this year. And maybe it's not the toughest game USC ends up playing, but in February, you know, a couple months after winning a national championship, yes, they're the number one team on this. That's how I see it. I think too, if Miller Moss, this is, this is the Miami Marlins <laughs> of college football. If Miller Moss wins Coach the job, is it's, gone. it's his first road game. Ever. Coach is gone. Quarterback's gone. Running back's gone. How many players are in the in the combine? A 18. record number. They're, it's a talent drain. Now they will, they still have guys coming in, and they have talented guys. The defensive line is really good. The defensive line, yeah, should be really good. They're losing pieces off of that too. That's the big thing about Penn State and Michigan. I think is a big concern for USC is that they always have elite defensive ends that can get to the quarterback, and that's something USC has struggled with uh, the last couple of years. So uh, I think that there is a big concern there. But I, I go back to the quarterback. It might like, be Jack Tuttle. Exactly. <laughs> Like Jaden Denigal is one of the guys. I don't know. Is Orgy even still there? I think he's yeah. done, right? I don't know. But like Jack Tuttle could be your quarterback. Like you're not winning with no quarterback. I don't care. It, it, USC might have to play a 14 10 game, but like I don't think it's the toughest game when there's no quarterback. Quarterback makes such a difference in college football that if you have a career backup as your starter, you know, and it's a guy that has bounced around three different places. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily the guy that, that's going to lead you to, you know, I mean, to beating USC. They won the national championship. What What I take away from the, all of this is that we could argue from the top. There's a lot of if USC's not playing well, there's a lot of games that USC could lose. But if they're actually playing well, they're all winnable games. Like yeah. I think if you were saying Ohio State or Oregon were on this schedule, that would be a lot tougher just because of what they're doing. That. Those teams are having the best off seasons in the Big Ten right now, probably. I mean, you could argue with USC and the coaching staff changes and stuff. No, but those those teams are crushing the off season. A lot of talent. Like the schedule is not terrible. Like you're, yes, Michigan's a defending national champion, but they're like shock and say they're losing a lot. Now they're still going to be really good, and it's going to be tough to play on the road and all that. But if if USC comes out and like their defense is good, like we thought they could be, and the offense is really good, like it is, like. They can win a lot of, you know, win a bunch of games, but it's like week in a week out, you have to play well. And I don't know if, if USC can do that, but look at the number one team. You can make a lot of arguments that they might not even be that good this year because they're losing so much. So that's kind of a positive that there's there's a lot of winnable games everywhere, but also losable games everywhere. It goes back to what Shotgun said. The second easiest game, oh, is Minnesota? That's not right, right? There's got to be something easier game than that, but nope. And then the number one game is Michigan. Okay, that maybe is easier than going yeah. to an Oregon or going to an Ohio State. So I totally agree with that. I just don't like just consistency with, with USC. They've been sort of up and down, of course, uh, looking at last year. It, it just – all those teams, if you have a bad day, I feel like it could catch you. So that to yeah. me is if you – like last year – College had a, football. You, well, yeah, but last yeah. year USC – Played terrible, terribly against Arizona State and still won easily. Easily, I, I just don't know if you'll be able to have that kind of an effort and still beat some of these teams. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to talent. Arizona State didn't have any because of all the issues they had, and I think that's going to be the case for um, you know a, a couple of these teams. They're going to be way down from where they were. The question I have for you is, how can Michigan? I know they won the national championship. 
how can that be the number one toughest? On the road. On the road. Guess where USC also plays on the road at? Against the national runner-ups, and yet you have them in eight. So how can the... Because they have a new... Well, so does Michigan, but oh, they have a new oh, everything. Oh, wait, do they? They have a new everything. So does Michigan. It's the exact same. No, no, it's a little... Michigan, they... It's not the same. Washington's roster is different than Michigan's roster. Michigan has lost a lot of pieces, too, but Washington... Yeah, it's, a, it's, not, it's not the difference between number one and number eight. I yeah. think it is. No, it's not. And Washington, like... <laughs> Had a like a unicorn season where Michigan was in the playoff two years. Like they've had a playoff. It was culture. a unicorn season for them to win a playoff game. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Well, hey, we got a live caller. Let's go to it. Uh, if you had to guess, who would you say? Dave in Iowa. Let's say Dave in Iowa. Big Ten country. What is up, Dave? Now we're in like your neck of the woods for football. How you doing, man? Yo, what's up? Uh, hey guys, great to, great to talk to you guys once again. Great to see Shotgun in studio. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone saw the uh, the National Signing Day live show, but it, it isn't Dave from Iowa anymore. It's two QD for for two question Dave. Oh. So as usual, I got two <laughs> questions for you guys. First, Ryan, am I right or wrong in saying that a hundred thousand untrained eyes changed Lincoln Riley's perspective on college football and defense? And second, Connor. You mentioned on a tunnel vision around signing day in December the idea that does Oregon really need these players or are they just making a statement on National Signing Day? My question for you is, did USC try to make a statement in the wide receiver Dorian Singer transfer last year? And, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, end of that. Just curious, what are your thoughts? You know, in a sense, was Singer a bust or was that just an awkward scenario? All right, thanks, uh, Dave. Appreciate that. Yeah, he's at uh, Utah now, right? Did he transfer to Utah? Yep. Um, I don't want to call him a bust because of what he did. The, yeah, prior second leading at, receiver at, at Arizona. But I, I mean, I thought USC did need him, and for whatever reason, he couldn't fill. Like, I don't think it was correct to say you're going to replace Jordan Addison, but they had a role open as the number one receiver. They bring in a highly touted transfer from Arizona to at least help fill that role somewhat, and he didn't even get close to it. So I hesitate to call him a bust, but in his one year at USC, I don't know how you can look at it any other way. Yeah, and then his question about the 100,000 untrained eyes. Um, yeah, I think it would be fun to talk to Lincoln Riley, like even like off the record, like, you know, sometimes you say things and like maybe, you know, I I feel like he was so uh, such a believer that Alex Grinch was going to get it right and it was the talent, and it wasn't the scheme. And you know he was wrong about it. And he would double, like he kind of would double down in what he was saying. And um, you know we were everyone, all the untrained eyes were saying the defense still sucks. And he was like, you know, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And everyone, unfortunately for him and for USC, they everyone knew what they were talking about, and the defense was terrible. Again, like historically bad. Uh, but I feel like. It was, I think he just, you know, he had a belief that it was going to be good. And then the fact that he was able to get rid of him during the season. And it's one of those things where you like, you really believe in your heart, like this is the right thing. If it's like a relationship or whatever it is, and you don't, and your friends are telling you this isn't right, don't do this. And you're just, it's hard for you to kind of come to grips with it. And I don't think it was any sort of like, oh, he's just my buddy. I think he really believed in what was going to happen and it just didn't, and it was wrong. And, what I think you can take away from what he's done since then is 
if you don't, if you didn't believe that, if you, you thought he was someone that didn't care about defense, these aren't the kind of hires you would make. Like, it feels like he's really, really trying to make the defense great. And I think he just had a belief that Alex Grinch was going to be able to do it and was wrong about that. So I, I, I think he believes that defense is important, you know, and it just, they had a guy there that just wasn't very good at it. And for whatever reason, it didn't work at USC. Like Justin Wilcox was a pretty bad defensive coordinator at USC. He's been good a lot of other places, but for whatever reason, it didn't work at USC. Alex Grinch has done some good things other places. He didn't do anything good at USC. Like they were awful. Um, so, but the way he went out and hired people, I think that shows you that he's taking defense seriously. Otherwise, you don't make the kind of hires he made. My opinion. I don't know if you guys agree or. I agree in that untrained eye comment. I mean, that'll live in infamy until USC has a good defense. And looking back, like I was laughing when you said it because I still remember <laughs> Antonio Morales asked the question and Lincoln looks him dead in the eye and goes, to the untrained eye? It's not like. Oh man, and then you just have the greatest hits playing in your head after that. The the Cal game, the Washington game. Oh man, like so bad. Like I would like to ask him at least off the record, like, do you regret saying that, right? Like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was that was no so that was no bueno. Hey, if Clay Helton doesn't regret saying he's got his head as big as an elephant, then Clay said a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh my god. Big horsey. Big horsey. Zombie has a really simple question. Uh who is a running backs coach USC should hire? Like, honestly, I haven't looked at much, you know. I'd love to get Dylan McCullough back, but people are saying Todd McNair, like, he hasn't coached in forever. I don't think you want that. Just go get a good running backs coach from somewhere. One 100% unsubstantiated rumor that I heard today. Are you comfortable with me sharing just a rumor? Share it. Right. Rumor uh, it up, baby. Baylor running backs coach A.J. Stewart, who was at Oregon State before and worked with Damian Martinez. That is a oh. Name I heard. The problem is he's the assistant head coach at Baylor, and he just started last year, so I don't know how much he's getting paid. Ideally, USC could match it. I think that title though might make things tricky, so we'll see. But that's the kind of stuff. Just go do that. Yeah. Like we, I haven't gone through everybody's running backs coach rosters or whatever. But like, hey, Baylor's got this good coach. He coached Adrian Martinez. That he's been in the Pac-12. Boom. That's a great can like perfect. That's a great candidate. Like maybe you don't get him, but hire someone like that. There's a bunch of dudes that are gonna like fit. You know, that thing like, oh, he's been really good. He was coaching this guy, blah, blah, blah. Boom, go get that guy. Like, it's a move up from Baylor to USC. Uh, you know, that kind of title might be tougher. If he's like co-offensive coordinator, like, no, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but, yeah. And then I think we had one other one. If you have any other questions in the chat. Um, oh, so this is from Bobby. Maybe I missed the re uh, Bobby Q, by the way. Uh, maybe I missed the reason. Why is the spring game on Pac Crap Network? I think he's referring to Pac 12. Because Network. USC doesn't officially join the Big Ten until August. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was July. I, I swear the athletic, they had August 3rd. Hmm. I, I can find it. I think it's like, yeah, I think August 1st or the end of July or something like that. But So then Media Day has to be in August, then, right? Normally it's in USC July. and UCLA aren't joining the Big Ten until August second, twenty twenty four. Okay, um, but unless I think, that's changed, but that's what I saw. I think, and I wrote it down. <laughs> I think uh, Media Day. Yeah, I think it's going to be in late July, but I haven't heard. Yeah, it's July twenty sixth, or this year it was twenty sixth and twenty seventh July. Yeah, rut row. So you're not allowed to show up. No, they. I mean. 
Yeah, how does that work? He was there, like I think Lincoln Riley came to last media day, or or Mike Bone did, or something. Or it's, I think USC was represented at Pac-12. Yeah, at not, Big Ten. I don't think it was either one of them. Maybe Bone, um, but I think it was just um, athletic athletic direction. Athletic. Oh, I think like Katie people. went. Yeah, Katie yeah, Ryan maybe went and stuff. I was going to go like last two years. I didn't go either one, but um, I was probably in Catalina or something. But I think one year I got sick and I wasn't able to go. Uh, yeah. Oh, and there was one. Okay. So yeah, I think that was it for questions and stuff. So, well, good stuff. It was a good show. I'm glad we got to uh, do one here with uh, Shotgun in town and, you know, get d- deep dive into the schedule, get you a feel for what this. 2024 season is going to be like i think i like the schedule that there's a lot of potential if usc happens to be good you know you're going to get some marquee names you could get some big wins some road wins home wins and all that stuff you know playing lsu playing notre dame playing michigan playing penn state play, i mean like there's some good freaking names on there and if you're playing well and winning those games it's going to be great for your resume you're going to make the playoff for sure but you could also play crappy and lose to Minnesota and lose to Rutgers and stuff like that. Yeah, so. When USC loses to Minnesota and beats Michigan, we'll look back on the show and smile. That would be, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the stuff you don't want. Like if you're able to beat Michigan and LSU, like losing like to a Rutgers or a Minnesota or a Maryland is going to be like a lot tougher to deal. Like, ugh. That's, um, that's the USC way though. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see we'll, how they come through that. We haven't even mentioned the most important news. There is going to be a college football NCAA game. Oh. This summer, and it was announced today that uh, the players are being basically sent out and said, "Hey, you can, you can get your you can be in the game if you and we'll get six hundred dollars payment as well as a copy of the game." So I would expect most every player will be in it as well. That's exciting news. I just got to figure out what system I'm going to start using and am I going to purchase. I was going to say that like I don't have a, I haven't had a gaming system for since like the original Xbox. Like so. You, it's basically Xbox or PlayStation now, right? Like that's what you would buy. I don't even know. Like I, I I've got. You just know Oculus. there's a game. I don't even know how you play it. Like, I've got an Oculus at home, but I haven't used that either for gaming. So I don't, I don't know. I've Got to figure it out though, because this is gonna, this is gonna be what's gonna consume part of my summer. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like I have to buy it just to like talk because people are gonna be talking about it. Oh yeah, we're gonna get a staff league going. I think that that's we are we're, okay. We gotta do that. I will not be good. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> You could be Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, like doing, like playing the game back in the day and like recruiting and all that kind of stuff. We were at, so when we were at Rivals, I remember um, Rivals had a deal with EA. Like they were going to be like, so instead, when you're doing the recruiting screen, this is probably, I don't know, 2010 or something, something like that. Um, it would have been like the rivals, like five star, like it would have been rivals ratings and everything. And I think the NCAA shut it down or something. I was just like, oh man, that would have been like a big deal. Like if, if I remember that correctly, like they were going to be, so I don't know. I don't know if they're going to have any kind of official, like if 247 or rivals or somebody is going to be part of this new game. But uh, I know, I think the NCAA shut it down like the last time they were trying to do that. But that would have been cool. Like for, you know, we were there and it would have been like, oh, that would have been neat to be part of that game and stuff. So I don't know. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Oh, we, well, we have a call again. Um, oh, here. You want to take one more call? Sure. Let's yeah. do it. We got Curtis in Marino Valley. Curtis, how you doing, man? Hey, fellas. It's, it's uh, been an interesting offseason. I wish we could use the money that we spent on these coaches to get some of the five stars, but 
we need our uh, collective to come up with that kind of money. But I think that Lincoln Riley knew that the defense was going to give up points, but maybe the turnovers that we got helped Grinch to convince him to keep him for another year. He thought we could outscore the opponents. It just didn't work. And then the running back coach, man, uh, Carol Fult is giving so much money to Lincoln for coaches. He could easily hire an offensive coordinator somewhere to coach running backs. He's done it on the defensive side. So maybe he's going to do this ongoing, just get the best that our money can buy as far as coaches. That's all for now. Have a good one. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, that. I mean, if you get a sitting FCS head coach to be your linebacker coach, <laughs> yeah, could you get someone like that to be your running backs coach? Like, I didn't even think about that. So that's, it doesn't have to be like, I think it's good to get a good running backs coach, but you could get someone that was, you know, Doug Belk was a defensive coordinator at Houston and he comes to coach the secondary. So maybe they get someone like that. What do you guys think? Could be a possibility. Um, the The running back coach is so fresh. I don't know exactly where they're going to turn for that. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting that Curtis said all our money has been spent. I didn't get any of that money because I would have spent it differently for sure um, if I had any money to spend. But you know, if it, if we spent all our money on coaches and not players, then what are we doing, guys? Because we could be spending it on food and beverages. And stuff. Yeah, uh, Logan's back to Eric Bieniemy. Like this is different being like an FCS head coach versus an NFL offensive coordinator. Go get him if if he wants to come. Yeah, bring him on. If he wants to come home, he went to Bishop Amat High School right down the street. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things where he had like a three-year deal and is going to make a lot of money and just get paid by the commanders, but not be coaching. Yeah, then be like a cliff and take an analyst role, maybe. Yeah, he could. So he could come in and be like, I mean, well, he could actually be like the running backs coach, you know, if he wanted to come back to L.A. Um, yeah, Logan really wants Eric Bieniemy as the running backs <laughs> coach, so he's given a lot of suggestions. Uh, yeah, I think it's hard to do that. Um, but because he was, you know, if he has years on his deal, maybe that would be, you know, he would just use that as a landing spot if he can't find something else. Like, yeah, I'll be USC's running backs coach for a year and then go back and be an NFL offensive coordinator again. But I think his name came up as for head coaching a lot, you know, um, and it just never, no one ever pulled the trigger. So it could be, maybe he just takes a year off versus like being a, like where Cliff Kingsbury, you're sort of like you're fired the head coach and, you know, whatever. I don't know. We'll see. But thanks. It's good to hear from Curtis. It is. Thanks for uh, calling, Curtis. Yeah. Good stuff. Good uh, Good for everyone. Thanks for from Dave to call Dave or to question Dave in Iowa. And uh, for Triple Double Shotgun Spratling, uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Do you guys have a pose you want to do for our screenshot? Anything in particular? I'll defer to you like we started the show. What do you want to do? Shotgun does not. Just smile. Okay, well, we'll, on the way out, we'll just everybody smile. Look at the camera and smile because it's hard to it's hard to get a screenshot when everyone's like looking at the camera. I know people don't care, but uh, for Connor Shotgun, I am Ryan Abraham. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Trader Joe's in Southern California. We go way back, kind of like USC football. In, in the beginning, it was so bad that uh, Dave Hetzel and I took turns dressed in a gorilla suit, flagging people in. 
That's from episode one of Inside Trader Joe's. We hope you'll check it out. Or some of our other podcast episodes about the past, present, and future of Trader Joe's and all those cool products. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 